Hello. Hello, everyone here at Southwest. Good morning and God bless. Today, I'll be reading Acts 17, verses 22 to 31 out of the NIV. Paul then stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Keith. Keith is being Cutting in and out a little bit there. Uh, don't know if it's... And we're so excited. Thanks for reading the scripture uh, for us. And uh, he's going to be baptized. He's going to display his faith in Jesus Christ. And we're so, so grateful for him. Well, uh, you got to help me out here. Would anyone happen to know... Uh, here... The handheld. Test one, two, three, four. I can count to seven. Five, six, seven. Oh, and it works pretty good now. All right. Except it's rubbing on my tummy. Keep it short. <laughs> Keep it short. <laughs> oh, you guys. Keep it short. Now, where did that come from? My own family. My own family. Glad you didn't add the extra word on it. Keep it short. Okay, I've got a question for you. Front row. Would anyone just happen to know the first question recorded in the Old Testament? What is the first question asked in the Well, if I gave you more time to think about it, maybe you'd come up with the answer. It's interesting. The first question in the Bible is asked by God. Genesis 3.9, where are you? Where are you? You were getting it. Now you remember. Great question. Uh, and, and of course, we know that was a very timely question. Why? Because Adam and Eve were hiding. Here's how it reads. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Robert Fulgham uh, is an entertaining author. 
Whenever you can read him, you should. He wrote the book, It Was on Fire When I Lay Down on It, which is quite a title. And he writes, in the early dark, uh, dry dark of October evening, uh, the neighborhood children are, are playing hide and seek. How long since I played hide and seek? Uh, 30 years, maybe more. Uh, I still remember how. Did you ever have a kid in your neighborhood who always hid so well that nobody could find him? We did. After a while, we would give up on him and go off leaving him to rot wherever he was. <laughs> Sooner or later, he would show up all mad because we didn't keep looking for him. And we would get mad because he wasn't playing the game that was supposed to be played. There is hiding, and then there is finding. And we would say, uh, you need to play it our way. And he would say, it's hide and seek, not hide and give up. <laughs> so as I write this, uh, he said, the neighborhood game uh, goes on, and there's a kid under a pile of leaves in the yard just under my window, and he's been there for a long time now, and nobody is finding him. And they're about to give up on him over at the base. I considered going over to the base and telling him where he's hiding. He's right here. And I thought about setting the leaves on fire <laughs> to drive him out. Finally, I just yelled, get found, kid, out the window and scared him so bad he probably wet his pants and started crying and ran home to tell his mother. It's really hard to know how to be helpful sometimes. Well, Fulgham says, uh, uh, um, a man I knew found out last year that he had terminal cancer. He was a doctor, and uh, he, knew, uh, he knew about dying. And he didn't want his friends and family to suffer through that with him, so he kept his secret, and he, he died. And everybody said how brave he was to bear his suffering in silence and not tell everybody and so on and so forth. But privately, his family and friends said how angry they were that he didn't need them, that he didn't trust their strength. And it hurt that he didn't say goodbye. He hid too well. Getting found would have kept him in the game. Adam and Eve hid from God, and they sinned in the garden. And then God began to search, and he said, Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? It wasn't as if God didn't know where Adam was at. That wasn't the point. But he wanted Adam to understand his lostness and his need and acknowledge his sin. And he wanted Adam to admit that he needed to be found. Uh, I think it comes as no surprise to all of us when I say we, we've all been hiding from God. Some are hiding now. Some of us have hidden in the past. And the Bible is quite clear uh, that all of us, like sheep, is how the Scripture puts it, we've all gone astray. And we've turned everyone to our own way. We've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. And for some, the mistakes and the fallenness and the lostness is really on the front burner right now, even today. We know how and where and why we are hiding from God. But the message that God was trying to give to this planet is that he loves all of us so much, that we all matter to him so much, 
incredibly more than we e even realize and that we're all lost and that we all need to be found. And in the passage that Keith read, uh, the Apostle Paul in his travels had some very unique words to the people who lived in Athens, that the God who made the world and everything in it, the master of sky and land, doesn't live in custom-made shrines or need the human race to run errands for him as if he couldn't take care of himself. He makes the creatures. The creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God. And not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide-and-seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him, can't get away from him. And as the NIV puts it, for in him we live and move and have our being. Paul put it this way. That, that God did this so that people would seek him and they would reach out to him and find that he's really not far away if you decide that you want to be found. For in him we live and we move and we have our being, which is to say we have, we have life. We have everything in him. So another question. What's the first question in the New Testament? Ah, that's a tough one. What's the first question in the New Testament? We know the first question in the Old Testament, where are you? The first question in the New Testament is, where is he? Where is he? In the Old Testament, the question is, where are you? In the New Testament, the question is, where is he? Matthew 2.1 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is he? Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. Where is he? Uh, Ann Voskamp is, uh, in my estimation, a, a, an awesome writer. Uh, she captures a great thought. Let me quote. We only find out where we are when we find out where he is. We only find out where we are when we find out where he is. I love it. We may, we may not even realize that we're hiding I think we can go through a lot of life and not even realize that we're hiding until we actually allow him to find us. And as Voskamp writes, we lost ourselves at one tree only to find ourselves at another tree. And we know that, how that works. And God in his grace is searching for us. And the place we get found is when we come to the cross to Jesus Christ. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. It wasn't the Romans or the Jewish people, as much as we would like to vent at them and as we read this history, but really it was us. It was really us that put Jesus on the cross. And our hiding from God, our sin can be dealt with by coming to Jesus Christ and by receiving the forgiveness that he purchased for us through his death on the, on the cross, that Jesus paid our debt that he suffered our punishment, that he spanned the gulf between earth and heaven, between God and, and man. 
So it's not a matter of what we can do for God to earn our way into good favor. It's a matter of what he's done for us. Where is he? Who is he? And, and ask people today what they must do to get to heaven. And if you listen really carefully with all the words, it will come down to be good. Be good. That's immediately the measuring stick. How do you get to heaven? Be good. But Jesus' stories contradict that answer. He wants to tell us all we have to do is cry, Help! I'm lost. God welcomes anyone who will have him. And in fact, he has made that first move already. You know, most experts, doctors, lawyers, uh, counselors, set a, a very high value on their profession. And they wait for clients to come to them because that, they're the authority. But, you know, not God. As Soren Kierkegaard put it, the wording is a little stiff here, so you have to read it carefully with me. When it's a question of a sinner, he, the Father, does not merely stand still, open his arms and say, come hither. No, he stands there and waits as the father of the lost son waited. Rather, he does not stand and wait. He goes forth to seek as the shepherd sought the lost sheep, as the woman sought the lost coin. He goes, yet no, he has gone. But infinitely farther than any shepherd or any woman, he went the infinitely long way from being God to becoming man. And that way he went in search of sinners. Isn't that an awesome quote? I love it. What's the condition of your heart? Is there pride? Is there stubbornness? Is there hardness uh, at a very deep level of your heart? Does that stubbornness keep you from saying, I need God? I've sinned. I need to come to God. I need to be found, and I want to be. Jesus, forgive me. And every time you clinch your fist, every time you say, no, no, you get a little harder on the inside. It's a little more difficult for the spirit to get through. Charles Spurgeon wrote so meaningfully when he penned these words, no matter what the day holds, how the season unfolds, God holds and enfolds. I've come to find you wherever you may be. I will look for you till the eyes of my pity see you. I will follow you till the hands of my mercy reach you. And I will still hold you to my heart. Friend, are you hiding too well? Have you been hiding too long? God says, get found. Get found. A Christian leader told the story of, the, of a battle with his 15-year-old daughter. He knew that she was using birth control, and several nights she had not bothered to come home at all. And the parents had tried various forms of punishment to, or discipline to no avail. And the daughter lied to them, deceived them, and actually found a way to turn the tables on them and said, no, it's all your fault because you're so hard on me. That's why I do these things. You know that tactic. 
This father said, I remember standing before the plate glass window in my living room, staring out into the darkness, waiting for her to come home. I felt such rage, honestly. I wanted to be like the father of the prodigal son. I wanted to be that. Yet I was furious with my daughter for the way she would manipulate us and twist the knife to hurt us. And yet I must tell you that when my daughter actually came home that night, or rather the next morning, I wanted nothing in the world. So much as to take her in my arms and to love her. And to tell her I wanted the best for her. I was a helpless, lovesick father. And that's what the shepherd, our loving Heavenly Father, is like when you decide to come home. You would think you're really going to get it. But instead, no. His gracious love, his wonderful care, his outstretched arms are there to greet us. He wants nothing more than to take us in his arms and really tell us that we matter to him. This morning, I hope you can just see in your mind's eye that the shepherd's arms are open for you, wherever in the journey you might be. And when we take the step of baptism, as a young person or as an adult, it is a clear sign that we want to be found, that we want to be found, that we're willing to be found that we're willing to come out from under all the, the leaves and say, I'm over here. Can't you see that little guy hiding in the leaves? The fellow that Fulgrim was talking about. And finally, can't you see him just letting the rest of the group find him and then having fun together and being in community together? He was just hiding too well. But now he decides he wants to be found. And that's a good way to think about baptism. We may have been hiding too well from God, from Jesus Christ. We perhaps have not wanted to be found. Maybe we are afraid to be found. Well, what a great discovery that it's a good thing to be found and that Jesus Christ wants us to be found. So baptism is a sign that we've been found. We've stepped out from under the leaves of hiddenness from God and we said, I'm over here, I'm over here, God, and I'm willing to be found and I wanna, I wanna travel your way. We have five uh, people who, in their own unique way, because we're all different, are saying, God has found me. God has found me, and I found him, and I've given my life to him through a personal faith and trust in him, and I've trusted my life into his hands, and my eternal destiny, I've said yes to Christ. So friends, very quickly, why be baptized? Number one, it's a mark of being found. It's a way of saying Jesus Christ is my Lord, he's my Savior, he's my friend, I belong to him, I found him, uh, but he found me. Really, that's it. He found me, and I said yes to him. Secondly, it's a way to identify with Jesus Christ. We identify with him in what he's done for us. What did he do for us? He died, he was buried, he rose again. And our identification with him is the fact that we too die, we, we die to those things which were a focus in our lives. We die to selfishness. We die to our sin. We die to our pride. And we ask Christ to forgive us for all these things. 
Secondly, we rise to a newness of life. Uh, not that we'll never sin again. No, don't think that. But we desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is personal and real. And baptism, by its very physical act, represents our dying to sin, our being buried, and rising to new life in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, it's public. Jesus calls us to a public commitment. It's an outward profession of an inward confession. Fourthly, baptism is a sign of new beginnings. It's not a mark of maturity. It's the start of the road. It's the beginning of the road. It signals the beginning of a new road of walking with Christ. And this is a lifetime journey. So we're just starting out. We're on the journey. In the New Testament, Jesus told us that a, a tangible sign would follow our commitment. There would be a tangible sign that would follow our commitment. And it's the sign of baptism. He said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we give thanks this morning for these five uh, who have decided to be, to be found by Christ and who publicly give witness to their faith in Him through the waters of baptism. We are really excited for them. We really are. And uh, why do they want to go public with their faith? Well, you'll hear all of their reasons in just a moment uh, by video. And uh, they're going to just give witness to their love for Christ and their desire to allow Him to be their leader. So we're going to hear their stories now. Uh, Emery Freeman... Horeb, Berakatab, Keith Genther, Iso Cordero, and Ricardo Cordero. So let's watch that video now. Friends, it's uh, such a joy to be able to introduce these uh, five candidates for baptism. They have wonderful stories, and uh, their stories will encourage your, your life as well. And friends, you know, we all have stories to tell, and God is working in all of our hearts. But uh, would you pray for these uh, five uh, very special people as they are following the Lord in the waters of baptism today? Listen to their stories, pray for them and uh, give praise to God for His wonderful hand upon them. God bless you. Hi, my name is Emery and I'm 11 years old. Um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was six and I wanted to get baptized since I was six, but I was too shy. And uh, now I feel like Jesus is telling me that it's the right time and, and I think I'm ready to get baptized. Before I, was, I gave my life to Jesus, I. I felt like I was more lonely and like sad, but I feel more like more happy with him. If you don't know the meaning of joy, it basically stands for Jesus, us, others, and then you. Baptism is when you go in the water with your old life and coming out with a new one. When people don't give their life to Jesus, they feel like like maybe more lonely or don't care for people, and when they do, they give they feel like they're happier and help people. Hello, my name is Horeb. My life is pretty simple. The best way to describe my life is like a blind man who can only hear but can't see. 
as I've grown up in a Christian household where I was taught the Bible at a very young age, but I still never come to accept God and I've never come into terms with Him. But as, as I grew older, I've come into terms with Him. And as you may wonder how or when, it was at a time where me and my friends had gone into a camping trip and there was an, an event that was held and they basically told us that we could sit in a chair and where everybody would just pray for us. And so I thought to myself, hey, I might just sit down for fun, basically. And so I sat down and realizing, because I thought that no one was going to be praying for me. But to my surprise, everybody was praying for me. And that was the time when like, I prayed and accepted Jesus into my life. As right now, I want to grow closer to God and Jesus. And baptism as a symbol for me is symbolizing for me, wanting to be closer with God, wanting to be closer with Him. A good verse that I would like to choose that would summarize the whole thing that I said would be, I can do, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4-13 Hello Southwest Community Church, my name is Keith. Today I am being baptized and I started my journey with Christ roughly about a year ago. Before I met Christ, I was living in a very dark, selfish way and did not really have concern for others. Until one day I had a feeling to read the Bible and after that I met Jesus and got to a life closer full of light. Ever since that day I have become more humble, patient, and I'm building better relationships with my family, friends, and getting more involved in the community. I want to be baptized today to show how I'm willing to commit to my relationship to Jesus and want to live with a life full of the Holy Spirit. A scripture I feel that defines me today is Romans 7:19. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Today, this means in the flesh, I may not do things as good as I wanted or should, but with the Holy Spirit in me, I will no longer do things I know are bad. This is the way I want to live my life from now on. God bless. My name is Isa Bros. I joined the Southwest Community Church a long time ago. It feels like forever because this feels like a family. I started walking with Jesus when I was nine years old, but not until I was an adult, I realized that I was missing something. I was missing um, trust, and trust is what made me feel more confident, trusting God, and no matter that the things like happen in my life, trouble, things that happen in my life, like it's better walking with Him and trusting Him. And I can share something, the scripture, um, faith brings joy, Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's side by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ of our Lord has done to, for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. 
Hello Southwest, I'm Ricardo and super excited to be here today. Today I'm being baptized and for me this is a way of uh, publicly saying to everyone that I'm following the Lord and I'm giving my life to Him. Uh, when did I know that this was the path that I wanted to take? This was a long time ago and um, there was an incident in my life and in our lives, Isa and my wife and I, that uh, shocked us. And for days and nights I looked for answers and, and I asked myself, why, 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 sleepless nights? Until one day when I said, you know what, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you have a plan for my life, for us, for everything that's happening. And the answer might not come to me right now, but I know that everything happens for a reason. And the answer did come to us. And I understood everything that happened at that point. And since that day moving forward, everything I do is for the Lord and I trust Him. And I know the outcome is gonna be what He wants for us. So this is a great day. Um, I'm super proud and happy to, to be a part of this. And also I wanna thank uh, the opportunity that I have to be a part of this uh, church. I, I, we felt super welcome and, and proud and honored to be a part of it. So it's gonna be a great day. Thank you, candidates. We're going to invite uh, the five to come forward here, if you would. We have people that are going to pray for them this morning. So, uh, so exciting to just uh, not only be aware of the testimony that they have, but from our congregation, we're going to pray for them and uphold them before the Lord. So candidates, please come and stand here. And uh, those that are praying, would you come forward at the same time? And uh, we'll, uh, we'll pray. I think we're going to... Uh, Start with, uh, who was it? Who's praying for Emery? All right. Find your buddy. Find your buddy. <laughs> My buddy's almost as tall as me. <laughs> God, thank you so much for Emery. Thank you for her faith in you. Thank you that she trusts you and she wants to walk with you. God, I just pray for this beautiful girl. Would you just hold her hand? Would you just speak words of love and kindness over her every day? May she always know how much you love her, that you choose her, that she's your child, that you've watched her, you've planned her, you've chosen for every day of her life that she can be close with you. God, thank you that her hope is in you and her eternity is with you and she will rejoice in heaven with you one day. And thank you for the step she's taking today. Will you just bless her for it? In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for Horeb. I thank you, God, that I had the privilege of teaching Horeb when he was in junior high and when he went to that camping experience. Lord, thank you that I was able to be there and to see the difference that you have made and are making in his life. God, I just pray that you would direct his steps. God, he is your amazing kid. You love him so much and you have such good plans for his life. I pray that you would give him the courage 
courage and the boldness to stand for you every day of his life and that you would fill his heart with passion for the things that you have planted in his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I uh, hold Keith up to you, Lord, and I just, um, first thing that's evident about him is his heart. Thank, thank you, you've given him such a great heart, a heart to transform himself, a heart to learn about your word, to immerse himself to be a student of you. And I would pray as he commits himself to you today publicly, Lord, that you would build his confidence you would build his knowledge of you, Lord, that he would know himself to be more powerful than he's ever known himself because of your Holy Spirit in him. I would pray you'd also send him out into the world that he would be a testimony for other people that just how great you are and that, Lord, through him and who he is to others, that, Lord, he would be an example of how great you are, how transforming you are, and Lord, I ask you to bless him now, moving forward. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for Isa and Ricardo and how they have stepped out in total faith and in action um, today. And I just want to pray for them, um, just their perseverance in their faith, dear God. They both talked about faith and trust, and I just pray that you strengthen that. Just give them... Um, just the perseverance over the next while as they just have taken this step of faith. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for the, how you have gifted them already. You've gifted them with hospitality and friendship and so much love and kindness. I just pray that you use those gifts for your glory, dear God. I just pray that they will just seek out opportunities to just praise you with who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.